0: 2019 is Heritage Radio Network's 10th birthday, and we've got a lot to celebrate. We need your support to bring you another year of the best in food radio. Help HRN ring in its second decade by becoming a member
1: today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Koteyama, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. Um, we normally do a show from our studio in Brooklyn, but today we'll broadcast an episode of Manga Sensei, which is one of the most popular Japanese language learning po- podcasts. And the host, John Dinkel, majored in Japanese language in college and lived in Japan for a while as well, so he has deep experience in Japanese language and culture. If you are willing to learn Japanese, I suggest that you subscribe to John's super approachable and effective podcast Manga Sensei on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. John kindly invited me to his podcast as a guest and we had a fun conversation about Japanese food culture. Hope you'll find this episode a nice little window to pick into Japanese mindset and culture.
2: I uh, woke Yo,皆さん、Manga hey everybody and welcome back to the Manga Sensei Podcast. I'm your host John Sensei, and today, like every day, I'm breaking down the world's best language. And today, I'm talking to one of the movers and shakers in the Japanese community. She is a world-renowned—I don't know—you're world-renowned a lot of things. You, you are a writer. You are going. You are have been on television. You have. Conduct the um, Japanese Food Society in New York. You are a podcaster. What don't you do? It might be a better question.
3: <laughs> I'm blushing. I don't know it's some words, whatever. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but thank you. You might do
2: a better job, Akiko. Why don't you tell the uh, the audience who you are?
3: Um, I am a, a writer specialized in food and beverage. Uh, I've been covering. Um, New York City and American uh, food scenes. And as well as um, I am a a podcast and radio show host and producer at the Heritage Radio Network, which is based in New York. And um, I uh, write for uh, Forbes magazine, other English publications. Um, Actually, Forbes.com, that's the online version. And I do consulting for uh, the Japanese government and the Japanese food business industry, uh, all about eating and drinking.
2: Which is a huge part of culture in of itself. Agiko is an amazing writer, a fantastic podcaster. This is one of the few of the podcasts that I have on my personal podcast list. Like, I will openly tell you my podcast list. I have Japan History. I have Tokyo Podcast. I have your podcast, Japan Eats. And then I also have... Um, um, Tim Ferris podcast and um, a Japanese podcast about startups in japanese that i really like listening to
3: mm, thank you so yeah i forgot to say my uh, podcast and ready show this called the japanese <laughs> thank you for saying that
2: <laughs> of course of course and if you haven't checked it out yet everything we talk about here as well as her podcast and all of her links will be put down below in the show notes so if you want to go check her out and all the wonderful things she's doing in fact some of the fun things that she'll be doing here soon as well will also be listed there so you can connect with her she's fantastic and i'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview but to start off i do have to ask you an important question why food
3: um because it's the i think uh, the biggest uh common denominator for among human society like everybody even animals (laughs) so (laughs) if you talk about food everybody's eyes start start to sparkle and you make friends Mm -hmm. so i think that's um that's the
2: reason. I mean, it's And it's one of those... I think it's one of those things as well that not only brings people together and makes their eyes sparkle, but it's also comforting. Everyone likes food. There's nothing controversial that much about food. And it's really just something... You know, it's. There's no bad part about food that I can really think of unless you eat too much of it.
3: Mm, that could happen often. but <laughs> um, <laughs> But also I think we have to... You know, eat every day, everybody is every day. And mm-hmm. that's why it's always uh, the center of uh, culture in any society, I think. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. You know, I actually learned something the other day. I was watching um, some kind of documentary, I believe. And um, it was Alton Brown uh, made a comment. And it really surprised me. He told me a statistic. Um, he said, after nine eleven. Um, in the United States, New York, they had um, the biggest boom in on the Food Channel mm. because after that terrible thing happened, no one wanted to watch the news. No one wanted to watch, you know, the political stuff. No one wanted to watch football. What they wanted was something simple and good and happy. Mm. And what could be better, good and happy than food?
3: Right. Interesting because I still remember right after you know 911 all those expensive restaurants are gone then mm-hmm. what came out really popular was very comforting you know interior owners are really friendly and the food is to be shared and everything changed after 911 so then in that sense for the better so it's more sharing it's more comforting like you said so yeah you're right very um, important part to make your life appear more relaxing and uh, physically make your energy too
2: yeah i agree and i think it's it's something that a lot of people when they i talk to people about going to japan and learning japanese since this is a kind of a japanese focused podcast they they always ask me what you know when you go to Japan, the first thing you learn is you learn how to introduce yourself. And then you learn your favorite things. and You learn your favorite food. And, of course, when you first go to Japan, you don't know what your favorite foods are. Heck, you don't know what any of the foods are outside of sushi. And maybe, like, I don't know. I think some people know chicken katsu or something.
3: <laughs> right. Or ramen, of course.
2: Ramen. Ramen, of course. But the ramen they've had is kapo ramen, which, which really shouldn't count.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's more like, uh, yeah. That's that's not. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but you know, well, it could be <laughs> it depending it's on who you're
2: know, Yeah. Right. So, if if someone listening right now is thinking about get, they're just starting to kind of get adventurous with their food, or they want to get more into Japanese food. Where do you recommend they start? I mean, they have the, this whole world they really haven't explored yet, and if they wanted to start in this, where would they go?
3: Um. Well, that's an interesting question. Like right? everybody knows sushi right now, but. I heard right. after World War II, everybody's scared of eating raw fish. So mm. I would, if you just land in Japan, like or Tokyo or Osaka, anywhere, you just go to right. a convenience store because even 7-Eleven in Japan, yeah. they are a treasure box. It's really sandwiches oh gosh, to bento. It's everything so high like, quality. And you can get any of those things uh, from, I don't know, a dollar to five dollars, and you really have a good meal. So you oh, can yeah. you can see the food, and you can taste anything you want at the lower cost. And then that's the beginning of the adventure.
2: Oh yeah, I remember when I first found some of the treasures at the convenience store, the Combine, I think it was Family Mart, and I found. Chocolate chip melon pan.
3: Mm. <laughs> Ooh, I miss that. <laughs> I do miss that. Oh, it
2: was so good.
3: Mm. Yeah, the other thing is that, you know, bakeries. So, oh, yeah. yeah, if you're still scared of reading Japanese traditional food, if you go to the bakery, people say that's better than even New York. And they have their own Japanese version of the pastries. And Japanese Mm -hmm. bread is fluffier and uh, kind of flavored, sweeter. So maybe that's another way to go.
2: Yeah, I think that's really, I think particularly for like maybe a american or even my australian audience it's kind of easy to go from you know breads to trying japanese bread try the uh, chiki, uh the, the sandwiches try the uh their croissants try their little things that are covered in wonderful glorious drizzly wonderfulness it's uh oh man i'm, I'm this is the, gonna be the hungriest i have ever been while <laughs> recording a podcast
3: yeah <laughs> well that's funny because i i first thing i do when i land in japan i have a p- big taste memory of japanese uh, You know, anpan, it's, uh, you know, stuffed, Ah, you know. Yeah, red red bean. Yeah, just bread, fluffy Japanese-style bread. And uh, I like the Yamazaki brand for some reason. And that's Uh the first thing. I just go straight to the convenience store. I get it. And at the hotel room, I I bite into it. I'm back home.
2: (laughs) Let's see, the first thing I usually get off the plane, honestly, the last time I went to Japan last year, the first thing that I did when I went into the country is I walked into the convenience store, I got myself some momosui, Mm. and I also bought myself an onigiri, just Mm. just, uh, a (laughs) tsuna (laughs) mayo.
3: Yeah, by the way, you know the wrapping of onigiri and convenience store? I had this one guy who developed, you know, separating rice and nori seaweed, so that uh-huh. nori doesn't get wet and sticky, so he yeah. got the patent. I mean, every time someone eats it, he's just like making money, even the cent or oh, something. Smokes. Really, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that guy
2: is probably the world's smartest guy because it's true. You tear, like you have to like tear the package along a line, and then it like pulls it out, and then the the nori the seaweed uh, touches the rice for the first time, and it's mm-hmm. just wonderful.
3: Yeah, and I, I really think that that's the. Really symbolic invention of Japanese mindset. Once you think, "Wow, there's something I want to improve," who think of it, right? <laughs> That's pretty. Right. Um, um, I think it's a pretty um, complicated process. May- they mm-hmm. made it as a product easy to operate, but who would come up? I'm sure there are a thousand trials and errors and to come up with that product.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's really the, the, the course of it is Japanese are really good at taking things, improving upon them. And not only taking that, but definitely somehow it just becomes more Japanese when it gets taken into that country and gets adopted into, into Japan. Japan doesn't just take things and adopt it. Japan takes things and absorbs them.
3: Mm. So I think in for the better or worse, it's an obsession. So that's the nature of Japanese, personally, I think. <laughs>
2: And I think that's actually a perfect segue to talk talking a little bit about the person, the personality of of food as it comes not only from from west to east, but also from east to west as it comes into the United States. Um, you're you're famous for logging in the food scene, especially in New York, and for being really on top of that ball there. But um, are, what are what are people? What's the uh, if I were to kind of jump on the front edge of the Japanese food scene, where would I find myself right now?
3: In America, I mean. yes. Um, well. I think, uh, well, the United States is just the United States means. I think depending on where you go, you see different things. But um, beyond sushi and ramen, in New York City, I think expensive kaiseki restaurants are thriving, uh, like check coverage, $250 or something like that. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but there is a um, group of diners who can appreciate the delicacy of classic kaisek cuisine. And mm-hmm. also, you know, if you go to Kyoto, I'm sure a lot of people already experienced Kyoto kaisek cuisine. So right. they want to find the same thing. So it's really um, the result of global um, movement. Everybody troubles, everybody can find information over the internet. So I think yeah. it's exciting, although I wish uh, prices are a little lower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, I've, I, I remember when I had kaiseki for the first time and just it's, it's amazing not only the attention to detail because I think that's what a lot of people touch on for like the first time they try kaiseki because there's, I mean, everything's in season. Everything ha- is sourced from a particular place and those every little part has been thought of when it comes to kaiseki, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but the part that really, really surprised me was um, I went to a, it was a very small restaurant in uh, Nagoya. And the chef was a gentleman. He was, um, he was a zainichi kungujing, and he was a very, very entertaining gentleman. It was just hilarious. <laughs> and it was almost he would he would sat behind this little bar, and there was probably like seven of us in the restaurant. And he would he went to each person, and made the food, but there was also like something he he talked about how he thought about it and what, and he he told jokes along the thing. It was it actually it was a wonderful experience for me being introduced to that high level of culture for the first time, but also seeing the the mixture is Japan be- not only is unified in food, but also the, sp- the specificity of just the food in Nagoya.
3: Mm, right. So that's that's the thing, right? I mean, we we say kaiseki, but if you go to Kyoto, um, kaiseki is different from kaiseki in Tokyo because, like, for instance, mm-hmm. there are about 40 different Kyoto-specified vegetables, ky- uh, kyo-yasai. Yeah. And kaiseki, like you said, it's all about seasonality and the local... Mm-hmm. Like local sustainable um, ingredients, so yeah, that's regionality. Right. It's really a big part of Japanese cuisine. So that's why I think people should get out of Tokyo and then try to find new, um, different fish, or vegetables, or whatever you find.
2: What do you think is a particular hidden gem in Japan when it comes to Japanese food that most people won't probably think of outside of, of course, like ramen and sushi.
3: Mm. That's a big question. Um, well, it's um, like well, if you go to izakaya, right, you get to see right. whole bunch of different things, and mm-hmm. uh, that you can find at uh, someone's house, you know, table at someone's house. So it's um, I don't know. It's a classic names of dishes like yakiniku yakitori outside sushi and ramen there are things mm-hmm. you started to see in this united states or in you know, other countries outside japan but um i think the essence of what's not known is the regional cuisine even if i travel like say right you know you know just the japan seaside which is different from a you know pacific ocean oh, yeah. And you find something like uh, nodogoro, which is a very specific fish, um, yeah. only, cape, you know, you can already find it on the Japan seaside. So those things, I think, is more interesting. And also, if you have miso soup, you go to yeah. different regions. Nagoya has a mame miso, which is bean-based. And yes, you go to, so different, you know, variations. So miso soup can be completely different from the east to west. Those little things, but significant differences uh, that we, we really represent the you know, cultural um, you know, diversity within Japan. I think it's something right. I really want people to experience and see.
2: No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think once you explore a little bit outside of Kanto, and you get a little bit outside of like Osaka and Kansai is wonderful. I love the Kansai area particularly. Mm. Um, but once you venture a little bit beyond that and go to Nagano, go to Tohoku, go to Sapporo, when you get when you venture into you know uh, Hida Takayama or wherever you are and finding you know the the what are they what are called the Tokusanhin the special the specialty things in that area is that's when you kind of catch the quintessence
3: mm. of
2: life in japan
3: right yeah like you know the when it comes to sake and shochu if you go to kyushu you have plenty of amazing shochu because that's where it's produced and whereas you go to niigata they have a different style of sake called the niigata tane which is lighter and cleaner version of sake versus other regions so i think it's really fun to discover the regional diversity in, in japan
2: i agree I, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think if I could give any advice to people listening right now, it would be leave the big city for a second and go have food at a small restaurant on the side of a road mm. in the middle of the in the middle of nowhere, and they'll have good food, and just make sure it's local food or whatever you, you're looking for. But just even this the is the difference in basic ramen from place to place. I'm I'm not the biggest foodie in the world. My wife is a crazy foodie, mm. but she's I mean just having not only the food, but the experience there is something that you can't replicate. Mm,
4: right.
3: Indeed. Indeed.
2: Okay. So one more thing before we jump to, I, I for people of all this podcast, I tried to do things in kind of two halves, one in English half and one in China, Japanese half. And, um, before we jump into the Japanese half, I do want to talk about, um, where you're going to be on, uh, Netflix.
3: Oh, um, just
2: for a quick second.
3: Okay. So, um, there's going to be, um, um, food competition like you know world famous chefs compete uh over 10 episodes uh which is coming out in november the title is uh, the final table and uh mm-hmm. i'll be a judge on a Jap- japan episode so yeah so hopefully uh your listeners can uh, take a look and enjoy the the episode and also I'm, I'm sure it's a good really good great whole 10 episodes would be
1: amazing
3: so
2: I'm I'm super excited, and what and, and I, I you don't have to give us any spoilers because I know you probably can't give us any spoilers. But um, I, it's it's this. Is there anything that they should maybe watch for or maybe pay attention to?
3: Um. Well, I think there are ten episodes, meaning each episode has different theme, and mm-hmm. I mean like UK or Spain or Brit, um, you know Mexico, and Japan is one of them. So, um, yeah, the Japanese episode featured certain cuisine, which I cannot say right now.
2: Right, of course, but, I understand.
3: Yeah, but uh, you learn um, the culture, I hope, and I'm sure. I mean, other episodes as well. So. Mm
2: that's awesome and, we, and I will again put that down in the show notes down below as long as that when it gets out I'll make sure to put a post on the website manga.snc.com um, where you can check that out as well which will be super super fun I'm excited I, I love watching Japanese food being made and only thing I like more than that is eating it because I'm really good at eating Japanese food
3: <laughs> yeah I don't blame you <laughs> yeah so, so the, the show is again called The, the Final Table so hope uh, your audience can enjoy it Next year,
0: Heritage Radio Network is turning 10. For the last decade, we've been committed to bringing listeners around the world the very best in food radio for free. Our small staff and incredible network of hosts work hard so that listeners can tune in each week to hear the important conversations in food policy, Stay on the cutting edge of cocktail culture and hear the latest updates in food tech. But there is no HRN without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and help HRN get a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. There's no better time to show your support. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate. And wish HRM a happy
1: birthday. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Koren's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the world's natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com
2: With that, now if you are a new new listener to the podcast, I am going to go into full Japanese here. We're going to t- just touch on English at the very very end to kind of kind of talk to summarize what we talked about. Give a gaiyou. But um, if you are a new learner of Japanese. Um, don't be afraid of this part of the podcast. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to listen and do some practice. If you are wonderful at Japanese and are better than me, which is very, very likely, um, this is a great opportunity to hear a native speaker speak as well as talk on some interesting topics. And if you're somewhere in between where the most of us are, it's great practice to be able to see how sentences kind of form together. So don't be afraid. And if you are afraid, you can skip right till the end and kind of go back from there. But with that, I'll... あきこさん。はい、はい、お願い<笑>
3: <日本語で。笑>
2: <お願いします。笑>
3: <笑> 偉い<笑> <うん。笑> <笑>
2: そうはい。
3: 味があったんですけど、特別日本で見つけたうまみという味は一体 何年でし<笑> だから、他の、その<笑>
2: お塩の川に
3: うん、、でも今昆布相乗 それ<笑><笑> うーん。江戸前朝食は握り寿司はそうでし初めて
2: キーその
3: 例えば
2: 話が2
3: ま、おきっと。まあ、<笑> 最初の 3 日間 あの、今や実家に<笑><笑>
2: 確かにそうですね。アメリカ
3: それで、あの、日本、日本の女がおせちにラッキーも、例えば
2: はい。うん。
3: そうです たくさん<笑> だから、
2: そう<笑> <私も空いてきました。笑> でも、<笑> <ね。そうですね。笑> 例えば、爪切りはい。<笑> 僕の
3: そういう多分<笑> でもそれ、<笑> の<笑> で、<笑>
2: そう<笑>
3: <はい。憤からないですけど> <笑>
2: 自分うん。僕も僕もそう<笑>
3: 大事
2: やっぱり本当の意味で <そちらこそありがとうございます>。so then, I will have to end it end here, but thank you so much for li- listening. I really enjoyed having Akiko on. She's wonderful. And if you didn't get the whole thing there in Japanese, make sure to go back and go to places. I stuttered during my last question, super, super bad, but that's okay. Cause we are all totally down for making mistakes because it's after 10,000 mistakes that you become fluent, whether it's learning another language, whether it's, um, learning about Japanese food culture or making food yourself. Um, you have to make those mistakes to be able to move forward. With that, though, I will sign off. And uh, Akiko, I'll give you the last word to everybody here on Manga Sensei.
3: Mm, so again, language is just a tool. So then enjoy and uh, go out and visit Japan and eat Japanese food. Perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, next time I'm in New York, you have to show me around.
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah, there are crazy good Japanese restaurants here too. Plenty of them. So I look forward to having you here.
2: It'll be fun. I'll be, I'll, I'll, you'll be waiting for me, I hope, at the airport, and we'll just go straight to the restaurant.
3: <laughs>
2: Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. All right, Mina san, kori owoito kina sai. Moshin de peri peri na itainara, machi ga hits yo nan deskarationi, machi gaimashou. So, jia, mazasta.
0: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter.